top. You gonna get off grinder so we can start the show? Jesus. Oh, is are we waiting on me? I heard Gabe clicking and clacking away back there. You said the show is all yours. Oh, all right. Are you ready to go? Yeah. You just want to intro the show then? No, you got it. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to yet another episode of Glass Half Sports. It is uh, December 29th. I hope everybody had a good Christmas and is getting ready for a rowdy new year. I'm one half of your hosting duties, as always, Nick Huffman. And we are once again joined by the returning Mike Mensing. Buddy, how are you? Fill us in on uh, what's been going on during your hiatus. I'm doing well. I mean, we just had Christmas. It, it, those of you who do live in Minnesota understood why I wasn't here last week. Some some Minnesotans understood. Most, if not all, because it was a winter like hmm. death watch outside. Hmm. Don't give me a hmm, Gabe. Pretty sure I made it. Don't give me a. Hmm. Oh yeah, you got a lot of toddlers that you're responsible jump on for. Board really, really bad. Go ahead, Gabe. Go ahead. I'm trying to jump on board. I, I just I'm trying to find my way in. I'm, I'm not okay. finding it. Okay. <laughs> well, that's where I was. Uh, I celebrated a great Christmas. Uh, I viewed you as a man who grew up here, so. But I understand that you're. I a, thought you had Midwest values. Again, if I was a bachelor living by myself, I would have been here. You're not a man unless you endanger your children. Uh, disagree. Disagree. Uh, you're not a man unless you put I your priorities, my children, your children's <laughs> safety. So. Podcast. Uh, with that, I'm doing well and excited to be back now that it's a little bit tamer outside. Yeah. You uh, want to let the folks know what we got for them this week? Yeah. As always, guys, we do have a big show for you. Uh, we're going to talk Vikings <coughs> Packers coming into this week. Yes. I specifically wore a special shirt for the. Yeah. Kitchen. The Moonham shirt. It's just a despis- despicable act. Uh, <laughs> Wild Wolf Watch. As always, headline news is a segment we're going to try out today. Nope. Buy or sell. Buy or sell. I didn't change it. Dang it. Aha. Buy or sell. <laughs> I didn't change it this week. Look at me. Uh, buy or sell. We're going to do. We got a couple of like free agency. Yep. Uh, we're going to talk about Gervonta Davis. And Getting arrested. The unfortunate events happening around him. Um, we're going to do a year in review as well with the new year right around the corner. Yep. Um, and then we're going to touch base with a flyover college football program that might become might, might be becoming a little bit of power here and we're not wanna, talking about minnesota i want to nope. jump in really quick and say uh your joe buck thing that uh despicable act mm. i saw that clip recently because i watched a moss highlight thing and it truly i don't know that there's a call that has aged worse than that <laughs> like it really like i would love to be able to ask him today if he regrets that he's gotta well, it I think so stupid. He was I think he was super responsible for how it was viewed by the public because of his initial reaction to it. Oh yeah, yeah. Super. No doubt about it. Like it it really did strain, you know, it it became a point of like at that point Randy's attitude became a point of strain if it doesn't get viewed that way, does it really does the continuum of the relationship evolve the way that it needs to? I think he has a little bit of a hand in why Randy wasn't a career viking. I actually had a conversation Hot with, take. Hot with take. my dad and brother about this, and we were trying to debate because we all love Randy Moss now. Yeah. And we're like, I wonder if he really was kind of of a piece of shit when he was on the Vikings or if it is just, you know, media. Like, yes. what that – you think so? It's both. It's both. Okay. Yeah. With that – That's kind of what we're thinking. Sorry. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, and YouTube. Make sure you like and share on all of those uh, we are a live interactive show, so make sure you comment in as well, and hopefully we'll pop your comment up on screen and be able to respond to it. Absolutely. And if you hit that notification bell, by the way, it will update you every time we post new content. Sometimes it's full episodes. Sometimes it's just clips of specific stuff that you might want to see. 
So go ahead and make sure that you hit that alert or notification button on all your platforms, right? Yeah. And then uh, post-show, if you prefer cable, you can find us on MCN6 here in the Twin Cities area. If you're outside of that area, you can find uh, MCN6 through your Roku app. All right. With that, uh, let's start Vikings View. Vikings View. Yeah. Um, the cardiac kids, do it again. Yep. A um, couple of things that I wanted to pull out of this game. Uh, specifically one, I think it was really cool to see or uh, an interesting, one of the things that me and Gabe talked about last week was, are the Vikings going to be able to at least make progress in the way of not having the emotional flat letdown loss that precedes big emotional victories the week prior, right? You kind of saw it against uh, the big win that we had against Buffalo. They come out flat the next week, you know, just some scenarios like that. I felt like not only were they not flat as a team coming out, um, but the Kevin O'Connell having a conversation with Ed Donatel about, Hey, here's how I would attack your defense. Here's some things that you may, you know, be able to try to win on specific downs or have the, you know, the defense operate a little bit better, uh, was very evident early on corner blitzes, a little bit more aggressive with stunts, um, and adding maybe a fifth rusher, uh, at the line of scrimmage, which freed up Daniel Hunter, uh, to be a uh, I guess a worthy part of the defense for one of the first times really all season. I mean, he's actually had a quiet, quietly a good campaign. He's just shy of 10 sacks now, you know, half sack behind Zedarius Smith. Um, but once again, you go flat in the middle of the game, you allow the giants to go ahead and climb back in it only to secure yet another situationally sound win. We're on, you know, relying on a guy that you trust in Greg Joseph to nail a franchise long 61 yarder. Um, not necessarily impressed, not necessarily disappointed is how I come out of this game. Did you hear kind of the description that I gave the Vikings last week when you were gone? The any given, I think they are the truest definition of any given Sunday. And you saw it again this week. They're going to play to the level of their competition. Sure. No matter who it is. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because you can get caught in the playoffs that way. For sure. Um, but caveat off of that. 11 and 0 is any in in one score ball games in the fourth quarter is anything but a fluke. It's an NFL record, so statistically it is a fluke. But when you're doing it that consistently where it's like hey if we're if we're within a score in the fourth, you at least know they're going to make it a ball game. Now right now they're winning a lot of them. I mean, I don't get there aren't that many NFL teams that won't make a one score game in the fourth a ball game though. Yeah, I, I I I chalk it up to some teams when bad teams or 500 teams aren't making the playoffs. What do you usually hear? They find ways to lose ball games. Sure, the Vikings just have avoided that exactly. Yeah, but it doesn't show that they're a great team. To no, make a great you're playoff, you're a hundred percent correct. And just speaking about the defense, they still allow Daniel Jones to throw for 340 yards. Sure, to, with a with a barren receiving core. I I totally that, agree and with the you. Offense really didn't show up. From about 10 minutes in the second quarter until about the fourth quarter. Yep. So there are concerns still. Absolutely. At 12 and three. Sure. I I, I can't disagree with you. Um, I'm hopefully we'll get Grant, Garrett Bradbury back. He does make a difference in our run game, which then does set up the play action pass really well. 
Um, I think in the last couple of weeks, Ed Ingram has played a little bit better at that guard spot. Um, you've seen some youth on the defense begin to have a little bit of a larger impact as well. Um, you're starting to see more things from Brian Osamoa. Uh, Tonga in the set in, in the middle of that defense has been great against the run. He's up to like 35 snaps a game. Now Duke Shelley has resurrected his career to be probably at this point, one of the better corners in a really bad, uh, defect defensive secondary. Um, and then Josh Metellus again, being out there in stints in, in place of Harrison Smith, showing that the Vikings do actually have some, some depth and in, in their youth, which I did not think they had up to this point in the season. Yeah. I'm, um, it's the consistency that they haven't had. They've had the depth. And the way that they're starting to work in the young guys like Brian Osamo in the mm-hmm. last two weeks. His speed is noticeable. Yeah. Very noticeable. Like the play that he made over the weekend reminded me a lot of early Anthony Barr when he chased down Devontae Freeman in the open field after getting beat and punched that ball out. Like when you have that kind of speed, it's it'd be great if you were in the right spot every single time. But the difference is if he gets beat his speed will allow him to recover and avoid the big play. Right. Right. Do you see him taking a larger role in the defense as we maybe see the Packers this week, Chicago with Justin Fields and maybe some spy situations the week following, or even potentially into the playoffs playoffs. No. Okay. The only reason he would get more playing time in the Packers and bears games is because we do already have the division locked up. Yep. And you have two of the best inside linebackers in football and Jordan Hicks and Eric Kendricks. Yeah. There were two players with over 100 tackles in the NFC last year. Both of them are those two. So yeah. uh, Asamoa is a great rookie inside linebacker, but he's still a rookie, a rookie behind two all pros. Yep. In my opinion. Totally agree with you there. But it's good to see that, hey, if one of those guys like if they need a break, Eric Hendricks snap share this past week was the lowest it's been all season. Not that's much, good. But yeah, it's it's good to see that. We're priming for the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And finding ways to win ball games when doing so, right? Like there are positives to draw. I don't want to look at all the negatives. There are they they are there, right, for the Vikings. But in a season where you are now sitting at 12 and 3, and you actually still have a legitimate shot with some of the injuries to the Eagles at playing for that number one seed. Uh, with Lane Johnson going down, Jalen Hurts um is not gonna play again this week, it looks like. Um you know, if they lose out and we win out, the Vikings can actually overtake the one seed, I believe. And the Eagles do not have an, an easy schedule necessarily to wrap the season either. Uh, no, they don't. Well, they play the Saints on New Year's Day. Mm. Yeah. But the the Saints are one of those teams even still. Alvin Kamara, if Chris Olave lose to the Saints. Right. It's Giants-Eagles. Yeah. And Giants are going to be playing for a playoff spot. Exactly. It so it's, it, it could happen in the realm of possibility. So, and is that something that you're watching then? So I wanted yeah, to talk a little bit about that. So you go into this week's game. Um, obviously you've got the division wrapped up. You've pretty much clinched yourself a playoff spot. You're really just playing for how many home games do you get? Do you get, and it's, are you, are you paying, are you playing your starters all the way through this week? Are you continuing to decrease snap shares? Here's my question for you. Yeah. Would you rather have the one seed or eliminate the Packers this week? Eliminate the Packers this week. Me too. Yeah. So that's what I'm watching. Yep. I don't really like, we'll have a home playoff game. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, Aaron Rodgers is going to give you playoff atmosphere no matter what, right? They're in a playoff game. If they lose, they're done. Exactly. Exactly. So it's going to be a great uh, barometer for what the Vikings are capable of on the road, outdoors, poor conditions. Um, These are the difference maker games, right? This is where you do really get to learn a lot about your football team. Um, 
Uh, Kelly Reinhardt says, would you trust the defense to make a game-saving stop in the playoffs? Mike? Yeah. They've done it uh, yeah, all year. The thing is, like, they're on, they only play well with, like, two minutes left. Yeah, right? So It's, it's weird. Got to be at your best when your best is required is what that coaching yeah, staff has preached playoffs, all year. The thing is, though, is in the playoffs, your it's, best is required. Every down, minutes, every so down. Totally agree with you. Downfall. Totally agree with you. Um, football isn't a perfect game either. Um, so you're going to get Green Bay this week. What are you looking for uh, outside, like just from the, in, you know, I guess the X's and O's uh, portion of the game this week, Mike? Uh, frustrate Roger Rogers. Aaron Jones has been almost a non-factor as of late. Yeah. Uh, it's more about stopping AJ Dillon. Uh, the Packers don't scare me. 12 does a little bit. Yeah. But he's a washed version of himself. So with the thumb injury too. It really it'd be really nice to knock them out. Yeah. Uh as there's no better way, I think, as Vikings fans to end your season. Obviously, we have a game next week, but if you do eliminate the Packers from contention and the Eagles win, there's nothing else it's for you to play for, yeah. right? Um, so I would like to see them go out and make a statement. Eliminate the Packers, secure home field advantage. Well, if the Niners win, we'll have to win week 17 to protect the two. But. Got you. But it, it, so it's one of those things. Um, how do you see the game playing out from an X's and O's standpoint? What do you think this game's going to look like for Minnesota? We've had our challenges against, you know, especially in the in- interior. If Grant Bradbury isn't healthy, we already struggle mightily against the Packers up the middle. Yeah, but um, I really just don't see the Packers offense getting anything started. Yeah, I think. Rodgers is good for one or two big touchdowns. Um, I'm thinking it's probably this might be a two possession score differential. You know, that's yeah, that's what I was thinking about, too. I think there is so much familiarity. Uh, Gabe's going to put us on the spot here. You want to read it off? Is this a Super Bowl team? Yes or no? It's a Cinderella team. Yeah, for sure. Right. We're already on a Cinderella run. So can it continue is the question. Can we be the Bengals of last year? Mm -hmm. Pretty much is what it's come down to. Do the Vikings have all the qualities possible when they play really well to win a Super Bowl? Is like it truly feels like the nine and seven Giants that slipped into the playoffs and then like won a bunch of games. But we just started winning our bunch of games like week four. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Yeah, is we're not. I'm sorry, but we're not a 13 and three team. (laughs) No, no, no. We're like a 10 and 6, 11 and 5 team yep. that wins these games because Josh Allen fumbles on the one yard line. Sure. Right? I got to run to the bathroom really quick. I'll be right back. Are we a Super Bowl team? Yes or no? Yeah. Gabe, we've said it's so hard to just label it with the Vikings, right? We talked about this last week. Any given Sunday, any given Sunday, you could put them up against the Chiefs, the Bills. You could put them against anybody, and the Vikings could win that game. The Vikings could also get bounced in the first round because of how badly they can play. So are they a Super Bowl team? I would say sure, not yes, because you put them in that scenario, you can't count them out. But Why are you afraid of taking a stand? I'm just being honest. I'm if being you had com- to bet the woman you love to me. Then no. Okay, there we go. But that's also because I wouldn't want to subject her to the, the horrible things. I'm, that... I'm so attentive. Don't even go there. Don't even go there. I'm so attentive. You wouldn't even believe it. Ask any girl in town. Yeah, all four of them. Oh, brother. <laughs> um, yeah, so I got it as a 24 to 13 um, 
victory for the Vikings this week. I think because of poor conditions, some players will probably get rested. You know, different scenarios like that. It's going to be a lower scoring game than maybe some of the uh, high impact or high level offense that we're used to seeing. Um, 24-13 for me, Mike, what do you got for a score prediction? Yeah, I think something along those lines is definitely within the realm of what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, I'll go I'll go 30 to 20. 30 to 20? Yeah. Okay. Now, my last question on this specific topic is going to be, is it possible for Justin Jefferson to get the 209 yards needed to pass Calvin Johnson this week? This week? Because that would mean that he would have done it in a 16-game season and broke the single-season receiving record. I don't buy into the whole 16 versus 17-game season thing. What? Because at a time, we played 14 games. Yeah. And then we switched to 16. Well, all those 16-game records don't have asterisks next to them. No, I agree with you. But it would be really – and I know – But it's different. It, if you're, it the, different if you're the player – Getting it in 17 is awesome, but getting it in 16 is even better. You know that. What year did they switch from 14 to, to 16? You know, like approximately? 90, was it in the 90s? I was thinking 80s. Oh, geez. I was thinking 70s, guys. No, no, that, no, 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 like, no, no, no. Hold on. The Dolphins, the 76 Dolphins. Yeah. Were what? They went 16, 16 and 0. and 0. But that's with their playoffs. That's with the playoffs. Okay. So they were 14 then. 1978. 1978. Okay. Wow. So that's... Um, 30 years. I was thinking 80s. I was two years to, old. To me, a difference there, too. And I guess it wasn't that different right at that time. But to me, this is a really apples-to-apples apples comparison, though. Like, the game has not changed a shitload. No, it hasn't. From the Kelvin Johnson era. Where right. It's not like this is some old standing record. I don't know. Here's, I think it's more relevant Here's the thing, too, though. I, I think if he does it in 17, it's still just as impressive. Kelvin Johnson was that offense. Oh, yeah. So, J.J. would be doing it in 17 games, sure. But he's doing it on a two-seed in the NFC that has a Pro Bowl quarterback, that has a Pro Bowl caliber running back, that has a defense behind it. It's not just Calvin Johnson being thrown the ball. Like, his target ratio was insane. Was nuts because he was 6'5 and the fastest guy on the field, and they had nobody else. How many targets did you think Justin Jefferson has this year? Off the top of your head. Because he's currently got... You think he averages fifteen again or ten? Again? He's got a hundred and twenty-three receptions I'd say, already. I would say probably one seventy-five. Hundred and eighty? Yeah, maybe. Like that's a lot. That's roughly eleven a game. That's a lot of targets, and for him to one hundred and twenty-three catches. So, for frame of reference, one hundred and twenty-three catches just a couple of years ago was what we were seeing out of guys like Antonio Brown and Julio Jones, like prime. Middle of their career, they are the offense-type guys. I mean, so Justin Jefferson is, again, one of the top five receivers in the NFL. Best receiver in the NFL. Targets, he's got 174 targets. What did I guess? 175. Very good. Way to go, Mike. Um, Who would you guys rather have? Calvin or JJ? Yep. JJ. Really? You're a fool. Calvin was great. He has purple-shaded glasses on. I'm wearing but a red shirt. I think yeah. that's a great question for the fans to answer, along with their score prediction of the Packers game. So yeah. who would you rather have, Justin Jefferson or Calvin Johnson? And let us know what you see for the Sunday game. Again. Does he get the 209 this week? Not this week. Okay. Not with the poor conditions. Uh, okay. With that, let's transition over to the Minnesota Wild, who are actually hot recently. Yeah, like hotter than fish grease. 
It does help to have a little bit of a softer schedule. Yep. I will say, I think there, you said winners of seven of the last seven of eight. Seven of the eight. Yeah, seven of the last eight games. I was games. looking, I think two or three of the wins are actually pretty impressive. The others yeah. are expected, but it's nice to see us winning expected uh, games as well. Well, it's good to see you winning the games that you're supposed to win off the bat. Kind of like we just talked about with the Vikings, right? Off the back of an impressive win to still be able to put uh, a lower level team away and not get complacent or fat cat syndrome. Doing it in the middle of getting your team healthy and working in a 21 year old goalie all the more impressive right yeah i mean there's there's been a lot of youth on the on the ice lately oh as well. a ton a ton which i think you know you look at what this team might be capable of come the end of the season with the minutes that they're accumulating now like think about how ready you know boldy might be for the playoffs this time around versus it's last year true he should in theory be more ready right yeah and and our youth should grow. A, a rookie at the beginning of a season is a lot different than a rookie at the end of the season. Oh, yeah. That's that's very true. The thing that we're still lacking, and I haven't seen it from our youth, is the size oh, differential. Yeah. No. We, if, if we have a seven-game series against St. Louis in the playoffs, it's a first-round exit again, right? So <laughs> I don't have my hopes super high for this team still. Uh, it's it's a fun run that they've been on, sitting at 20-12-2. and two. Yeah. But... Especially it's, after it's, such it's a slow what start. what they can turn into. Um, I don't right. think it's a one-year lens, and that's why the flurry thing was confusing to me because you do have so much youth around you. And yeah. I, I don't know. It's it's The Wild are winning games, so it's fun. And it looks a little bit... But it's, 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 it's an interesting team right now. And I think the, the, the choice to keep flurry looks better now that you're seeing Gustafson alongside him. We talked about this a little bit last week. I mean... Everybody thinks he's the second coming. The guy is about as highly touted a goalie as you're going to find in the NHL, and now he's getting the opportunity to learn underneath one of the most consistently like all-pro caliber goalies in NHL history, right? So he's also getting a wealth of knowledge sent his way by being in this situation. You don't get that if you choose Cal Talbot over Flurry this year or if you cut bait with Flurry. So I think they have salvaged what could have been an absolutely horrible situation into a manageable one at the very least. Would you agree? I would agree with parts of that. Okay. I, I, I think, I mean, Cam Talbot is a consummate professional who's been in the league. What? Consummate professionals do not wind their way out of organizations. He's a starting goaltender in this league, man. Wasn't for and the he, wild. He should have been. They screwed him, Nick. The <laughs> Statistically, yes. he should have gotten starts in the yes, playoffs. Yes, I would agree. They sat him. I would agree. And he's a thirty-some-odd old man who's been in the league for years. Like it was a totally weird situation, and I would have gotten out of it too. And then so acted like a twelve-year-old as... when it didn't go his way. Okay, well, he's starting on a different NHL team, so whatever. <laughs> wow, dude, <laughs> like, you're just—I. All right, moving on. No, no, no. No, that's fine. Because we got to go over the schedule, obviously, All for right, a while. Over the uh, so they got games against Dallas, the Blues, who you actually just mentioned, and the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, upcoming. I think these are uh, important games uh, for the Wild because the Blues obviously have that size advantage. Um, I would like to see emphasis put on this game. And then the, the Lightning, obviously, are last couple of years at least, been a Stanley Cup caliber team. Like they are not too far from removed from winning one. So you're going to get all of that experience thrown at you at, for a very young team here coming up. How do you see them making it through that stretch? It's going to be, a, that's the stretch that's going to test them. Yep. For sure. 
It's going to be something to watch. What do you think the record's going to be coming out of that? Let's go one and two. I think it's going to be two and one. Um, I think, uh, I think they can beat Dallas, obviously, and then you either you have to take one of either the Blues or the Lightning game. Like you got to put emphasis on one and just focus on winning it. If you ask me as a coach, right? Win the week is what me and you preach on this show all the time. Yes, sir. For growth. So let us know what you guys think about the Minnesota Wild as we can kick over to Mike's favorite team uh, in the association. Yeah, so the Minnesota Timber Pups sitting at 16 and 19 coming off a rough loss to the Pelicans last night. Yeah. Uh, what are you seeing from the Timberwolves as of late? Nothing. Like nothing of note. Like uh, I think so when, when the Vikings got rid of guys like Everson Griffin and Stefan Diggs, I said you can't remove the emotional leaders out of your locker room and the Timberwolves got rid of both Patrick Beverly and Jared Vanderbilt and got rid of a ton of grit out of their lineup when they did that um, guys that were in there molding what was going to be the mentality that you see out of Anthony Edwards which I think was a wrong move and you're starting to see the impact out of some of that now because even if Ant goes out and scores 30 and Rudy has 15 rebounds and D'Lo has seven assists. You're not winning ball games because it's not a team and nobody is doing the extra mile stuff that those two guys used to do. And it's costing them ball games. Did you get a chance to watch the Pelicans game last night at all? I did not. Okay. So I don't think that it's guys not necessarily doing the extra mile. It's guys do not doing what they need to. Okay. Uh, there, there was a bad pass that was intercepted by Zion. He basically went on a six-point run himself and stole the game away from us last night. So it's just not executing at a high level when needed. Um, personally, I placed the blame on Chris Finch. Um, late down the stretch, he looked out of his depth. He looked like he was drowning. Um, and if you're drowning on the bench, your players aren't playing with confidence and executing at a high level when they need it. So, what is an in, what is an NBA coach do down the stretch that you see that makes them look flailing? Like truly, this is just me being a moron about basketball because it it feels like it's taking good timeouts and having I don't know decent plays out of that. But what else are they doing? So I just look at like Greg Popovich and Phil Jackson, right? So obviously mm -hmm. those are two. Hall of Fame coaches, the some of the best that have ever done it. But if you watch them in a close game with a minute left, they're calm on the sideline. They may be yelling or communicating loudly, but like their demeanor is yeah. we have this in control. And there was a specific stoppage with about 30 seconds when Zion was on the line last night that the cameras panned over to Chris Finch and he was screaming at the refs trying to get a timeout or something. Um, I didn't have audio on the TV, unfortunately, but he looked it was like visibly clear that he was out of his depth that he was grasping at something to happen. Like, I don't know if he was trying to make a switch on defense, but, like, that's not how you make a switch on defense at the NBA level. No. Right. With 30 seconds left, you don't freak out. Like, he was out of control, in my opinion. Yeah. And that's unfortunate to see because I do think that this team has a lot of talent. I, I just don't think that, like, at the end of the day in the NBA, you have to work your ass off. Yes. You have to play defense. Yeah. You have to receive passes correctly and use your elbows and your space to protect the basketball, especially when you have a one point lead with 38 seconds left. Yes. Um, Does yeah. It was just a lazy bounce pass. Zion <laughs> picks it off, goes dunks on the other end and there goes the lead. Yeah. Last week, um, Nick and I talked about, well, Nick did. I just, I was sitting here listening, but about how um, basically the two bigs, you know, he viewed as a big problem. Yes. Do you kind of, and we put out a clip saying one of these guys has to go, but which was my kind of, take on it but um do you believe that cat needs to go or someone like that to do you agree with that take i guess that we clogged the middle 
do you want do you want me to elaborate on the fullness of what i was saying last week i saw it last week um i i personally don't think that that's necessarily the problem um it's it it's scheme right scheme is never technically the fault it's the execution of the scheme sure um we're getting outran right now uh that's the problem so if you're going to play with two bigs on the floor you you have to set the pace of the game and it has to be a slow pace it has to be if you start to fall into the trap of running with five guards on the court for the other opposition sure you're outmatched you're outgunned it's going to be a long night which was interesting to me and this was kind of the you know you you put blame on chris finch and i think he does deserve a lion's share of the blame because me and you have talked about especially like gabe made a uh, had a question for us a while back when curry won his fourth ring how much of it really is steve kerr and his you know uh his aptitude to coach all of those egos well the, the the wolves right now have a lot of egos They've got a budding young star. They've got a temperamental point guard. They've got a crybaby big who's hurt and not on the floor. And then they have the the shy, silent type in Rudy Gobert in the center. That's a lot of different personalities that that can play at a very high level to manage. And Greg Popovich has a, a great line uh, in an interview that he did a while back. And he said, coaching is so much more about learning how to get the best out of everybody than it is running a specific out-of-bounds play. Some guys are selfish. Some guys are crybabies. Some guys are, you know, workaholics. You know, some guys are temperamental. I think Chris Finch was the right fit for this team last year when it was young guys that he could mold to operate the way he thought was best. And then the only thing he really had to do outside of that was manage Cat and Pat Bev, because they were going to lead that their two attitudes were going to lead the rest of the, ro- the the locker room. This year, I don't think he can manage having four stars pretty much that are going to be on the floor at the same time and get them all touches and get the rotations right and play to the matchups while not, you know, being afraid to hurt egos or whatever. So he deserves some blame. But I will say this Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie have a sh- have a piece to take in here cuz I stand firm on the fact that with a guy like Anthony Edwards with that being the future of your franchise seeing what he did in the playoffs last year with Cat in foul trouble keeping us in games to lean into all right well we're going to go get a second big and limit his ability to get to the rim and ignite our offense when things aren't going well is their fault too I disagree because a glaring hole on our team last year in the playoffs was no post presence down low defensively. Correct. And so, so what instead they did was they actually just went and got the best defensive post the league has to offer. Right. But the way that we operated as an offense, you need that space down there. I would I agree with the Go Bear signing if you're removing cat, because cat at times has to play either downhill or back to the basket, and then all of a sudden you're leaving or cutting off a ton of lanes for an incredibly athletic, solid player like Anthony Edwards to get into the lane and not have, instead of one and then a help defender on him, he's going to have one and two seven-foot help defenders there for him at the rim. That's very limiting to that guy's style of play as one of the best young players in the NBA. All righty, man. Well, let us know what you guys think about the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, they are on a little bit of a skid. Um, they got some games coming up, too. Losing by a few points the last few games. So. Yeah, uh, they got games coming up against uh, the Bucks, 
Oof. Uh, the Pistons, the Nuggets, and the Blazers. This is going to be an important stretch because uh, the two games on the back half of that, while they are at home, they are uh, in our conference or division or whatever against both the Nuggets and the Blazers who have been playing well. Um, and then you're also going to have the Bucks uh, tomorrow night. One and three coming back next week. At what point do you have to start to look at, do we fire the coach? Do we move a big piece? Because you can't waste a year in this process. Yeah, I'm not I'm not really sure. Uh it's not going as planned right now, but again, they're uh the Heat and Pelicans games both they basically had shots with 4 seconds left and the inbound plays themselves were were yeah. poor. So, you just got to start executing. You're not far off. Start winning games and see what happens. I would agree. I'd agree. All right, with that, let's uh trans- transition over to NFL buy or sell. So, we're going to go through a few situations in the NFL. And we're going to buy or sell whether or not we would go through with those scenarios. Yeah, I've got some situations for you. Uh, we can wait for Gabe to get the graphics up and stuff, and we mm-hmm. can kind of go on his mark. I know he hates when I do that. But uh, we can start with, uh, is Tua's fourth quarter collapse against Green Bay at home cause for concern? Now, the reason I'm asking this is obviously – We've seen quarterbacks in the past, a la Alex Smith, who light it up when the weather's nice and everybody's chucking the football around the yard. But then when people knuckle under and they start to play playoff caliber football, those quarterbacks wilt and they wind up just being there until their contracts run out and then they get replaced. Not to mention Lamar Jackson still no. We've we've talked about him being a Miami born kid. What are you buying or selling? that Tua will be the quarterback of the Miami, the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins in 2023. Tua Tonga will for sure be the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins in 2023. What gives you confidence in that statement? The fact that he's been the starter all year, barring injury Mm -hmm. and played quite well. Okay. And elevated them to a playoff berth type team. If Teddy wins this week, they're in the playoffs. Sure. If they fall out of that playoffs, does that change your opinion? No, because it might not be on his shoulders. He might be on the sideline with another concussion. So, but you ha- don't you have to fit factor in the injury concern at this point? That's three concussions. Sure, in... I factor it in when I'm dealing with free agency and I protect him better. No, and that's what I'm, that's why I'm asking about 2023. Oh, you're talking about like adding offensive linemen. Yeah. And the Bengals have done that, and it hasn't necessarily been maybe proven they didn't to work. Add the right pieces. True. Also, or true. maybe you're looking at an offensive line coach because if you feel you did bring in the right pieces and they're not performing well. The blame has to lay somewhere. Uh, yeah, I guess I would agree I, with I, that. I wouldn't put the blame on the Dolphins' woes on Tua at all. I think he's elevated them. That is where I would disagree with you. Some of the picks that he threw this last weekend with were not con- only— With ba- a concussion that he suffered in the first quarter, and Miami's staff, shockingly, you know, <laughs> throwback to like week seven, missed concussions. Mm-hmm. So you don't even know what his thought process was going into those throws because he was literally— Suffering from a concussion. They were they were egregious decisions for a guy in the middle of a playoff push. I will say that. Do you think they were uncharacteristic as well? Were they not? Yes. Is is the D is if you're the Miami Dolphins front office, then you've completely closed the door at looking at the quarterback position moving into 2023. Um, I would say I I I've completely closed the door at looking for an upgrade for 2023, but I haven't completely closed the door for looking at possible futures for 2024 and 2025. Interesting. I would say. Interesting. Okay, fair enough. Uh, We can move on uh, to some news in Denver. Nathaniel Hackett gets fired. 
And seemingly Russell Wilson's going to get the opportunity to retain the starting quarterback. Obviously, they he's a made man in Denver now. They paid him. Do you buy or sell that a coaching change fixes Denver's offense and Russell Wilson? It, I buy that it could. Explain. Uh, Russell Wilson is not Peyton Manning. No. So he was brought into Denver to become this air raid, let Russ cook quarterback. Mm-hmm. He is not that. If you can limit Russell Wilson to 25 to 30 attempts a game, uh, his agility and ability to make things happen outside of the called plays is then a benefit. If you put the ball into his hands 45 to 50 times a game and Mm -hmm. say, we need you to throw for 400 yards, that's not who Russell Wilson is. So if you bring in, if you brought in a Kyle Shanahan type, Mm -hmm. would Russ not put up big numbers and win a lot of games? My I would love to say yes. My hesitation with Russ right now is even when he was dropping back, right? You see a lot of guys right now, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, that will move up in the pocket and then go downfield. We saw Russ do that a lot in Seattle. It was part of his progression. Sure, He refuses to do it now in Denver. So I don't know if bringing in a Shanahan-style offense where that's the off script is kind of part of the play when it doesn't succeed. If Russell's capable of doing that anymore, that's my biggest concern. Sure. You just let us know what you guys think, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next we have Trevor Lawrence buy or sell that he is a top 10 quarterback going into next year. The guy has played absolutely out of his gourd since I think it was either week seven or week nine. He's been one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He has Jacksonville way ahead of schedule with Tennessee floundering, kind of like me and you had predicted earlier in the year, and he might get a playoff start this year. Uh, Yeah, I buy this. Yeah. Uh, If Doug Peterson stays, if they progress on this track, he should be nine or 10 next year. Do you think he's turned the corner into, I am a franchise guy. Now there were a lot of questions about his decision-making last year, early this year. Didn't, wasn't necessarily super comfortable or operating the offense at the uh, level that he's operating it at now. But you, we, we see it with guys, right? With Mahomes, you saw it with Allen's you, you saw the, the corner turn necessarily kind of what everybody's waiting for with Tua. Do you think, Trevor Lawrence has absolutely turned the corner and just cemented himself as, hey, I'm going to be a guy for the next 10 years. Trevor Lawrence was that guy when he got drafted. That's what I thought, too. And so Urban Meyer. Do you know who threw the most interceptions ever in a rookie season? Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning. Did you think that there was ever a doubt during that rookie season that he was not the franchise guy for the next 15 years? No. No. Same with Trevor Lawrence. All right. Sorry. All right. Well, we're, we're in on that one together. And this last one is uh, is interesting. Buy or sell that with the benching of Derek Carr, that Jimmy G can save the situation for Josh McDaniels in Vegas. Sell. Josh McDaniels is one of the worst NFL head coaches the NFL has ever seen. It, Michael. You guys, are really, you guys are really funny. Um, you know, this is tricky, man. As the, as the Raiders, what's tricky about owner, it? As the Raiders ownership, are you really you bounced Gruden, you bounced your interim head coach? If you bounce McDaniel's at the end of this year, the Raiders haven't really made a great coaching hire since John Madden. True. So, but you can't carousel when you start to carousel coaches. That becomes a downward well, spiral. You were in the playoffs last year, and your roster got better and you're worse. So, what's the equation? 
Can you not, as a head coach, go to your GM and be like, listen, I didn't have the quarterback that I wanted. I came here and I was expecting to have Tom Brady. How about we get the guy that they pretty much ushered did out you know of that, New England for me? Did you know that me? Derek Carr is in the top 10 for passing yards in a season in all-time NFL-like statistics? Yeah. And you're telling me that Josh McDaniels would make an argument that he didn't have a sufficient quarterback. That's what a lot of people are saying. Hey, Tim Jackson says uh, Lawrence is the real deal. Thanks for checking in, buddy. Uh, Tua is not the answer. 49ers exposed that offense. 49ers, they've been exposing offenses all year long. They have the best defense in the league. And then uh, Tim Jackson also says Russ is done. Uh, He wants to be a celebrity, not an NFL QB. And I would agree with that more than anything. What, um, why is Josh McDaniel the worst NFL coach? Situationally, he's just bad. I feel like he's a prickly guy. To, he's he's not a motivator, and he's a terrible excellence as a nose guy. So yeah. what does he bring to the table? Well, I think... What does he bring to the table? He built that offense in New England. How can he... And who ran it? Brady. Thank you. What are the odds that they hired Dion? <laughs> <laughs> what are the, the odds we, we follow the Raiders super closely if they hire Dion? Super. Yeah. Super high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Super no, high. I hope Josh McDaniels loses his job because he's literally ruining careers. Devontae Adams went there because Derek Carr is a good NFL quarterback. And if you disagree with me, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, and he's literally running them into the ground. Hot Who did he coach thing. last? Denver? Oh, he kind of ran them into the ground too, yeah, right? And then they turned right around once he left. Yeah. They were literally a playoff team like the next year after he got out of there. Well, I mean, you don't had... allow Josh McDaniels into your front office again. He's an OC tops. Maybe he should go be a head coach for Jackson State. I hear they need one. <laughs> All right. With that, let's uh, transition over to Gervonta Davis. So this has uh, water. This has some ramifications on not only the fight that he has uh, set against who, Mike? You remember? Hector Luis Garcia yep. in two weeks. But this January 7th. Does this have ramifications on the Ryan Garcia fight as well? Why don't you walk everybody through kind of what the report was? I know he got arrested on domestic charges, right? You got this, Doug. Okay. Gabe might know a little bit more than I than even I do. I literally saw this this morning it's, as I was combing yeah, through the news. I read it last night. Yeah. And I'm I'm really like um really disappointed in this one because I I seriously kind of viewed him as like a Whatever, a low character guy will say, right? Yeah. And um, in the past. And he has really won me over the last like yeah. six to eight months or something where I'm like, you know what? He's actually really got his head screwed on. And then this is, uh, at least from what I've read so far, so we'll put the big allegedly on it, but yep. riding in a car with a baby mama and just basically cupped her upside the head <sighs> and like, I don't know if it damaged her eardrum or something like that, but I mean, it was a significant clap. Obviously he, he went to Twitter, defended himself, said it's crazy. He'd never do it. Uh, when I read it, I was like, you know, Hey, I don't know, maybe give it benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And then right after that, I read another report about him hitting another baby mom in Florida two years. Like he just got like out of trial on that. So I don't know. To me, that's a where there's smoke, there's fire kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. The guy was trained to hit people, so it's not that... um, It's not that hard to believe. Right. Yeah. Um, So, outside of the fight that nobody was going to watch, which was probably going to be his tune-up fight for what one could only assume is going to be Ryan Garcia, we were all told that that fight is going to happen first quarter of 2023, right? If this jeopardizes that, dude. I'm going to be so pissed. I mean, honestly, that's the only fight I'm excited for in boxing. And, well... Spence and Crawford, obviously. Well, I'm, but, but I don't think right. I think everybody was excited because the Ryan Garcia Javante Davis fight was very obviously going to be the start of what was going to be those four kings in that division having to finally take their shots at one another 
and and it's the most. This is the most exciting of yeah them. of those because fights. This is like the Ali Liston thing, where like you know you feel like Ryan Davis sees something, or I'm sorry, Ryan uh, Ryan Garcia. Yeah, Garcia sees something in Davis that no one else does. Right, he can beat. So it's really intriguing. You know, and and my question now is, if you're the promoter. As bad as this may be, does this not totally give you all the spin that you need to start that hype train now? He's not going to make the, the fight on the 7th, one would have to assume, right? He already said that he, uh, you know, y'all can have it yeah, or something like that. Is so not going to make the fight on the 7th, but now you get to pin the golden child of boxing, the pretty boy, the the Oscar De La Hoya type up against, you could kind of paint Gervonta Davis like Mike Tyson on his return out of prison. If that's really what you wanted to do here, you have the ability to do it as a promoter. Do you think that this starts that at all? So I think they should. Well, so normally I'd say, yeah, the problem is Oscar De La Hoya came out however many weeks ago Mm -hmm. and criticized uh, Garcia publicly for not taking a tune up fight going into this. So for him to do that publicly, it really makes me worried about what's going on behind closed doors with him because he's done this before, disappeared from training camps and had mental health breaks and stuff like that. Yeah. So, you know, which obviously got to take care of whatever he needs to take care of. But, um, yeah, I don't know how stable it is over there. That's, that's so a good point. So maybe they're not going to, you know, take that on. But, yes, they should be. Yeah, I should be putting on as much pressure and stress on that guy as possible. I mean, I think at this point, it's the only fight that it's the only fight that makes sense for Javante Davis to take next, right? Like he's kind of painted himself into a corner now, or is there somebody else that I'm missing? I mean, I think there's no one else, but it's like boxing is so good. Just like they don't give a shit, you know, like they just don't give a shit. They take whatever the easy money is, but but man. This fight has to happen. I, I mean, it was agreed. It's, you know, yeah. as far as I know, it's like it is signed. That's so, the impression that I'm getting. Is that that's what, what I thought. So unless oh. unless the dude's going to prison. Yeah, we'll see. Do you know when we'll get a verdict on this? Um, I think they'll string it out. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't think it should happen before the fight. He should be good. Yeah. All right. Well, that's what we got on uh, Gervonta Davis. Let us know what you guys think his next opponent should be and how this is going to impact I guess that entire division with all of those belts being divided up between guys that are for all intents and purposes, lossless. And this being the first domino, how is that going to affect how everything plays out? Let us know in the comment section below. With that, uh, there's been a lot of money spent. Yeah, we have been, we've been trying to get to like a little MLB free agency recap here for like hmm, a little over a month. We're going to do it today. Let's check in on the MLB. What uh, what have some of your biggest surprises been, Mike? I would say the Correa thing was just weird, weird to watch. Yep. Um, and Gabe, the link is uh, highlighted in the run sheet if that's what you're looking for. I am actually. So, yep. Yeah. So it's going to be admitted on that, but yeah, they, you're good. They apparently found the buzzer that they used in Houston in his like back pocket mm-hmm. when he was in the physical for San Francisco and that nice. made them balk a little bit at that. It and is the back injury that it is the back injury, right? That's no, what everybody leg. was it's the leg. Okay. It's so the, the so it's the leg that everybody's concerned about that has him bounce between San Francisco now all the way over to the Mets. The twins didn't even re engage um with Carlos Correa. Yeah, which I find interesting as like you knew about the issue he played for you like did he miss many games due to the issue not from what i could can there were chunks of time where he was unavailable yeah but he didn't miss a ton of games total this year true true yeah he played more than buxton oh 
everybody plays more baseball than Byron Buxton. Well, there you go. So, I don't know. That was an interesting one to watch. Um, what happened? So, I mean, if you can recap that really quickly, yeah. the Correa thing, because, you know, I'm semi-aware of it. I know he, he moved, but so I don't know So, he, like, why. had an initial contract signed with San Francisco for 13 years. Oh, it was signed. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, and then he was a physical. Pending a physical. He went in for his physical and the Giants pulled the offer off the table. Correct? Due, Due to, what to the results of the physical. They yeah. basically hit pause on the offer. They didn't pull it. They hit pause basically. And then when he hit pause, the Mets basically swooped in and offered the, him a slightly better deal. Yeah. What was it? Like point two million more per year, but one less year? Yep. Or something goofy. Yep. So between the Padres and the Mets, like that's where all Giants the Giants and Mets. Well, I mean, well, yeah, well, I guess where money's being Padres spent. and Mets, yeah, yeah, because the Padres went out and they got Xander Bogarts to help. I, and by the way, what does that say about Fernando Tatis? True, like a guy who's coming off a PED suspension, and the Padres went in and pretty much just said, okay, third base is going to be Manny Machado, shortstop is going to be Bogarts, second base is going to be. I mean, they've got a decent second. They got Hosmer at first. Soto's going to play in the out. What do you do with Tatis now? I don't even know. Sounds like trade. It, yeah. yeah, it doesn't it? I mean, that's and a, what a to me. earth-shattering thing that would be, right? It or is it think what kind of shitty teammate is he? Or is it or is it hey, they're the seeing Machado's age early and they're moving they're getting ready to move Manny, right? Can yeah. can Tatis play third? Absolutely. With the arm that he has, sure. So like the Padres are going to have yet another massive trade piece getting ready for the 2023 playoff push. Yeah. Just look at how many times you see Mets. The Mets, there. right? Yeah. So they but they retained like Edwin Diaz, Brandon Nimmo. Um, they had to pay him still. They had to pay him. Justin uh, Verlander. I like that they brought in Verlander. Um I don't think it makes a ton of difference for them. Look at all the years, dude. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just you know, I haven't done a, done a deep dive on this. Like, you know, why all of a sudden there's this trend where these years are so long? Are is there just tons of opt outs for the players or something? Club options, team options, are they club player options, options or player? Options? I think they're player options. Um, oh. If I had to guess, um, one of the most surprising signings to me, actually, actually, I'm going to start with the coolest signing. I thought seeing Wilson Contreras go to St. Louis and be the catcher that gets to truly. Uh, be the heir to the Yachty or Molina throne is going to be kind of cool because for years they had a catcher that was so defensively sound but couldn't really swing the stick the way that they needed to but was a locker room leader to I guess the polar opposite and Wilson Contreras has gotten has been a good locker room what guy everywhere that he's been St. Louis is young and they were in the playoffs last year so I think he really does help a contending roster um, as they look to fill out their pitching staff but outside of that to see a guy like Trey Turner wind up in Philly after the run that Philly was on last year. Trey played with Bryce in Washington. Mm -hmm. That's a massive move for them at the top of their order. That gives them base stealing, stealing potential. It improves them defensively. It's gonna it's gonna give them a guy who's gonna hit at least two eighty this year with twenty home. That's a big signing for Philly. Yeah, it helps a lot. A sure. lot. How can you guys even say that there's any signing that feels better than Dansby Swanson's if you saw that press conference? Did you see it? I, I, I've i heard about the press conference and how 
I went from not liking him to loving him. It I, is so likable. Yeah. His grandpa who rooted for him and he's almost started crying at the thing. God, I love that guy now. I mean, the Cubs have made a little bit of a push, right? They got James Tallion uh, from the Yankees. Mm. They got Dansby Swanson. They gathered I'm another free agent, too. Old, we have an old guy who's in the Dominican League who's the hottest pitcher in the world. Oh, right really? Now, who's like got a... A 37 inning straight without an earned run thing going in the Dominican League. But I wow. mean, whatever. It, Even it's, still. It's a really good signing. So we'll see. But uh, also, the. So no, because the Cubs are really doing what the Twins are kind of playing. Like, oh, we just. We're not doing splashy signings. We're just going to do strategic signings. And it's like, we're a huge fucking market. Hey, but the Cubs are. The Cubs are making it work. They're actually signing people that are going to have an impact on their team. Dansby Swanson will be yes. an impactful player. James Talion will be an impactful starter for them next year versus the Twins who signed Joey Gallo, who is only going to deduct or add to the loss total of the Minnesota Twins this upcoming season. That's massively true. difference in massive difference in strategy. Sure, you don't need the top 10 guy. If you're going to go get a top 20 guy, that's going to have a positive impact, not a top 50 guy that you're using just to fill a roster spot. Have you guys noticed that um, Dan or that Jacob Degrom is doing a Nolan Ryan cosplay in his career now? <laughs> I he did went see the that. Mets to the to uh, to Texas. If he yeah. hits the Angels, yeah, he's almost there. Yeah. Um, how about Texas too? They also got Nathan Evaldi from Boston. They really are trying to, with that new stadium, rebuild that pitching staff and hope that some of the youth that they have, and they do have some pretty decent, good young hitters, um, and make a run in in yeah. their division as well. Really cool to see Texas in it. I haven't seen them do that since uh, you Darvish. Yeah, Clayton Kershaw resigned one year for twenty million dollars. Oh yeah, that seems high though. For where the game was. Oh, yeah. Wow. Is that a payoff from the past, I suppose? I would assume so. Huh. Oh, you guys got Drew Smiley, too. Oh, no, Texas got Drew Smiley, too. Man, they really did rebuild that entire... Man, they rebuilt... Even he gets $17.5 million. Holy shit. Yep. Go And he came to the Cubs. And he doesn't know how to play baseball right now. Ah, yeah, that's true. He's got the yips. Philly added a reliever. The Mets out there. Dodgers. The Dodgers getting Syndergaard is no, interesting yes. to me. I think that's savvy. I do too, because I think there are certain when he's not the guy in a rotation, he's really good. I would have loved to see the Twins push a little bit harder to go get him. Um, Matt and Carpenter, Carpenter going to San Diego. God, that's a that's another great crafty signing. He, he was red hot earlier in the year. I know, like like the first half of this year. Yeah. I know he was like, he was the Yankees leading hitter. Yeah. Jeez. I don't know how it ended, but Corey Kluber going to Boston. Yeah. He's an upside guy. Not, you know, if he ah, it. 10 and 10 with a 4.3 ERA for a guy that doesn't throw really hard. They don't tend to perform well in Boston. I think he is going to struggle. Is he yeah. starting though, or is he going to relieve? He'll probably start because the Sox don't have anybody in their rotation right now. Losing Evaldi, I'm assuming that they went out and got Kluber to try to patch that rotation back together, right? Rich Hill. Yeah, I was just shocked that Rich Hill Holy. was able to sign a contract to stay in Major League Baseball yeah. for $8 million. <laughs> I remember him coming out with the Cubs. He couldn't yeah. break uh, paper back then. Yeah. Holy smokes. That's crazy. And his curveball, a big slow curve. Oh, it's yeah. Like, yep. Yeah, I don't know. It never impressed me, but Trevor May still Trevor kicking. May still kicking around. Do we know where did Miguel Sano wind up? 
You're the only man in the country who's asking that question. Yeah. All right, so here's really... No, if you go back down, Gabe, you can see who's left for the Twins to pick from. All these undisclosed... Hey, there's another Contreras. Yep. We have the hottest uh, prospect in baseball right we now. We do. What's his we name do. again? Chichi Gonzalez. He was on the Saints last year. He was on the Saints last year. Chichi Gonzalez? Yeah, we saw him. No, that's not his name. Mike is just saying he is available, and me and Mike got to see him pitch uh, for the Saints last year when we were covering him. Um, yeah, just there's not a whole lot left out there now for the Twins. There isn't. But we'll have to talk to Nash Walker about that one. Well, okay. let us know what you guys think about MLB Nelson free agency. Cruz right there. there I'd, go. I'd go grab him. TBD. I'd him. go grab him. Get him. Will Smith? Is he the? No. No. <laughs> There's Miguel Sano. There he is. Way down Gary there. Along with Gary Sanchez. Yep. Trey Mancini's Tiny out there. Fam. There's a guy I would like to see the Twins go get. Wade Miley. We saw him uh, pitch too. Yep. Trey Mancini would be the only guy really that's left out there that I'd like to see the Twins go grab. That'll give Dude, you your first baseman. Like interesting names though. Luke yeah. Boyd. Dylan Bundy. Uh, Ilan Ke- Ian Kennedy. I love Johnny Cueto, I think, would be a great addition to the Twins. I don't mind bringing him in for a look. No, not at all. I love Johnny Cueto. Me too. I think he's great. Chris Archer? Eh. He used to be something. Uh, he was with us last year and really didn't do much. Kevin Pohl. Joe Ross? Like, Joe Ross is still pretty young. How long can these motherfuckers play baseball for these A days? long time. Jesus Christ. A very Hunter long Strickland? time. Yeah. Steve Ciszek, do you remember him? Yeah, Matt Duffy. You got to go home, guys. <laughs> Eventually, you got to go home. You can't run forever. Matt Harvey. Darren O'Day. He's going to find it. Bring wow. him in. He'll find it. Marwin Gonzalez. Anybody? Still. Still. All right. Well, with that, we're going to transition into one of our last segments of the day. We're going to call it Year in Review. So yeah. Nick and I are going to switch off each month. Uh, I'm going to start with January, and I'm just going to say something that I remember from that month. Yeah, a cool sports memory that was going on at the time. Yeah, so my January moment to kick off Year in Review 2022 is Georgia wins the national championship over Alabama. That was actually really cool to watch. Um, especially Kirby Smart, right? Georgia born guy. I was, is he Georgia born or is he, what's his relation? Everybody gets all hot about with him being over there. I don't know. Everybody's like super behind Kirby smart. Maybe he's just like that guy I guess over so. there, but to do it with like a walk on too is really cool. Um, Tim Jackson says, uh, Mensing, where have you been going to have to dock your pay? Yeah. You can't dock uh zero. So I was going to say, Tim Jackson, you don't understand that we make no money doing this show. <laughs> But uh, uh, and then February for you, yeah. Uh, throughout February, I was it was obviously the Rams Super Bowl against the Bengals. Um, I think it was just if the Rams would have just that's the end of it right there, would have been a cool Von Miller gets his ring, Aaron Donald gets his ring, McVeigh gets one, Cooper Cup has the incredible season, OBJ comes back and has the potential to win Super Bowl MVP. Really cool to see Joe Burrow there and lose because what that could mean for the rest of his career, like probably one of the it was one of the few Super Bowls that I've watched probably over the last five or ten years where I have been like, oh, I have genuine interest in both of these teams. Like the storylines and how they wrap up and how it all played out. So, yeah, that's what I had as my moment for February. I thought the uh, the Rams thing was pretty cool. Sounds good. Uh, my moment for March was Greg Popovich getting win number 1,336. Oh, he did get that this year, didn't he? He did. Wow. Became the all-time winningest coach. So, <laughs> Tim Jackson goes, I knew that. <laughs> all right uh in april um 
I, I know Mike's going to roll his eyes. It was Tiger's return to the Masters. Um, I liked it just because. Hence why Nick is wearing red today. Um, no, for me, it was the thought of, hey, are we ever really going to get to see him walk and play that course again after what he had been through? Um, I'll admit that I had taken for granted like Kobe's retirement and some different things like that. And those guys don't, been through. they don't last forever. He had cheating well, on his wife and he oh, had okay, been in that awful car accident, obviously, and had been rehabbing himself. I mean, the guy, anywhere you see him now, even when he does the match and stuff at night, you can tell it's hard for him to get around, but his love for the game. I just didn't want to miss it was the first time I had honestly sat down and watched all four days of the masters. Right. And it was because tiger was there. I believe he made the cut. He wasn't even close to the top of the leaderboard, but you got to see him play. How many more times was I going to be able to get to do that in my lifetime? So for me, watching him return in April was was what was the coolest moment for me. Sounds good. Uh, my main moment, I chose this because it's always fun to see underdogs uh, finally win something instead of just the people who are supposed to be there. Something is going on with your necklace, and it's really bugging me. We'll figure it out later. There we go. Uh, so I went with uh, the long shot winner. Rich strike, 80 to 1 odds, wins the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> Mike, are you a horse racing fan? Uh, it, I actually peek in on like the, the top three, the Triple Crown. You bet the ponies, period. huh? I don't bet the ponies. You do bet the ponies. Uh, what's your June moment, Nick? <laughs> uh, my June moment was watching Steph Curry cement his legacy as being a better basketball player than LeBron James. Watching him win his fourth ring against Boston to do it with Clay returning from injury, Jordan Poole against the Boston team that was suffocating on defense. Um, Draymond Green obviously not playing well uh, at, at that point either. Really, just kind of had to shoulder the load uh, going through that series. We had, we had we had talked about it at nauseum when he had finally won it to do what he's done in the time frame that he's done it on, and then for them still to be set up for him to win five and six and do things like that. Um, just above and beyond guy continues to prove why he is the face of the league right now. Yeah. He's nuts. Uh, July. I thought it was pretty cool to watch Juan Soto win the home run derby. Oh, that's interesting because in August, I thought it was cool to see him get traded to San Diego. So Juan Soto dominates the calendar, but you know what else happens there, which we were actually just making mention to Tatis's suspension followed right off the back of that. And I think kept, San Diego from being able to complete the run that they thought they were going to be able to go on. There was a lot of like woo roller coaster moments for the Padres, uh, you know, around the All Star break. There was, uh, and then into September, I chose the Vikings beat the Packers in KOC's opener, and me and Mike were at the game. We were, so it was fun, and it was my September moment. My October moment was watching my favorite baseball player go on a record-worthy tear. Bryce Harper's performance through the MLB playoffs was astonishing. The guy stepped to the plate, and in every big moment they gave him, other than when they lost the series, uh, and, and other than when they lost the World Series, was nothing shy of impressive. Um, I think it really for the first time displayed just the talent level that he has. We got to see some really cool moments where he was like coaching up some younger guys as well. um, helping them perform well in big moments. Hey, look for this, do that. Um, I love, love Bryce Harper. It was so good to see his, his October run here. You, you good? Keep yeah. going, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks for the music, Gabe. Uh, my November moment, I did go back to the Vikings. Uh, one of the most unforgettable games I've ever listened to because I didn't get to watch it live, unfortunately. Mm. But the Vikings beat the Bills in a one in a million 
finish. Nice. Uh, my December moment was the biggest comeback in NFL history. An- a game, another game I go. got to be at um, was watching them just dismantle the Colts in the second half and become, uh, or I guess relegate Matt Ryan to being the most collapsible quarterback in NFL history. So, yeah, that's the year in review. Gabe, any massive moments from 2022 that you think we missed? I just love listening to your admiration of these millionaire athletes for real. <laughs> and I'm dead serious. What it takes, man. What it I'm takes not, yeah. to be that much better than... And when I saw Bryce Harper help those young players. <laughs> we literally did a segment like on auntie. it on the show, and you no, were excited I about it. I, hey, I, I agree. I agree. I'm too hypocrite. I'm a fan of it. I hope Dansby Swanson breaks his ankle. Don't you dare say that. His grandfather. I hope Dansby Swanson helps coach the young kids in the clubhouse game. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Me too. All right. With that, uh, let's take a deep dive on Dion's progress. Yeah. uh, Guys finally got his coaching staff rounded out, has made some additions. Yes, Mike hates this. But for Dion to retain Zim, or I guess add him officially to his staff, um, and then start to pull some other noteworthy coaches from programs like Kent State, where they had an up-and-coming offensive coordinator, Alabama, where there was a de- highly touted defensive assistant out there. Um, you know, we've, in my opinion, we've talked a little bit about Dion isn't the greatest X's and O's guy. He's just kind of a brand, right? I'm okay with that. But when your brand then gives you the ability to bring in the supporting cast that you need to be successful, you're doing it the right way. So let me start here. Do you think some of the coaching additions that he has made will make an impact on this team? I don't see anything about Mike Zimmer like officially joining. I think he's a uh, a defensive like consultant. Consultant. If Who's I remember the guy correctly. with the U of M um, jacket on, Mike. Nick, defensive. He he was head coach for the Gophers. Okay, tell Gabe who he was. I don't remember. Oh, that's <laughs> what I thought. I don't think he was here for very long. I think he was pre Jerry Kill, the guy who kept dying on the sideline. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's so this is all. There's a written report saying that con- there are conflicting reports about former Minnesota Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer becoming the new defense coordinator for the can University you- of Colorado. Can you imagine watching Mike Zimmer coach college men right now? Like, no. For some reason. Yeah, I, feel I was like going to say, like, I'm sorry, but that would be a terrible hire. I think it's a favor to Dion because Zim was Dion's coach. Right. But I mean, I'm saying I wouldn't let him near children. No. <laughs> I get this. Like, I think he thinks because he dates college women these days mm-hmm. that coaching college kids can't be that difficult. But. Oh, yeah. He, I also think that in calling him Hepcats and stuff like that. Yeah, no, I also don't necessarily. I'm not 100 percent sold that that's his girlfriend and not his caretaker. at this Yeah. Point. So like, it's oh. it, the the guy with the gopher jacket on is Tim Brewster. Oh, yeah, I knew him. OK, he's the tight ends coach. I for that's when I was. Yes. In, I see who he is. <laughs> to be honest. OK, Nick, Sean Lewis. Charles okay. Kelly. Yep. Tell me about Charles Kelly. I know nothing about okay. Charles Kelly. Nick you Williams. Know, no, 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 you no, no, know no, no, college no, no, football no, 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 more no. than I do. Okay, and it's proving my point even more. Sean Lewis. No nothing. Okay. Charles Kelly. Isn't he the guy from Alabama? He was what at Alabama? Like the safeties coach? Yes. Okay. Nick Williams. He came over from... Uh, Bill O'Boyle. Isn't he the Ken State offensive coordinator guy? Or offense? He's an offensive coach, isn't he? Okay. Brett Bartolone. No idea. Tim Brewster. 
failed head coach at a smaller Division One program. Yep. All right, cool. Gary Harrell. No idea. So he's bringing in a super impressive coaching staff, isn't he? I just listen, isn't he? I'm just okay. asking you just if curious. you think the guys that he has brought in. Okay, were they upgrades over his current staff? Yeah, sure. I mean, whenever you bring in a former head coach, it's uh, it's always nice, right? Um, but like, I don't know. I just want so, to know who his offense so coordinator is for X's and O's. His offense coordinator is Sean Lewis, right? So Sean Lewis was the head coach at Kent State for five seasons before leaving for Colorado. Yep. He's coming off a year in which he led the Golden Flashes to a five and seven record yep. with a four and four mark in the Mid American Conference play. Yeah, he's it's, super impressive. But it's guys. experience he didn't have before. Right. Like it's not and it's not going to be perfect in year one. It's not. But I'm asking you, is it progress? Is it a step forward from the level of coaching this that is he had the, before? The, the impressive hire is Charles Kelly, who was the assistant D.C. with Nick Saban. Nick Williams, defensive line. Williams is still in the early ages of collegiate coaching career. In yep. fact, his, this appointment as defense line coach is his first as a position coach, regardless of level. Yep. So he, literally first time head coach who I have more experience than uh, Bill O'Boyle offensive line for the guy for the Colts. Yeah. yeah right? Jeff Saturday. Jeff Saturday. O'Boyle follow, follows Lewis from Kent state. Yep. So another Kent state guy, uh, Brett Bartolone receivers. Each coach from here on out is following Sanders from Jackson state. Yep. A former wide receiver at Washington state under Mike Leach. Bartolone spent the 2022 season as the offense coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Jackson state. So, yeah, uh, so he's basically coached for like a year and he got to coach literally the top recruit in the nation and then Dion's kid at quarterback. So I don't know how great of a coach he is. Well, that will come in time. Tim Brewster was at Jackson State with him. Gary Harrell, the assistant head coach and running backs coach. Yep. So I don't know. Uh, we got a question here from Zach says, will they get a bowl berth right away? All you have to do to get a bowl berth in the in Division One is win six games, right? Six and six gets you uh, early December tax-free AutoZone <laughs> Bowl. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I'll say for sure by year two. I think they can get one next year. I if, think they if, go five and seven-ish next year. I think they can get there next year, and this is a good pivot. I think they can get there next year because of what they're doing in the transfer portal right now. Now, I understand a lot of these guys are coming from Jackson State, but not all of them. Right? I'm Supposedly, get... the Heisman favorite for Fox Sports is Shadur so, Sanders, which, which is, is hilarious to which me. Is ridiculous. The hype around this entire—I'm sorry, I'm sorry—the hype around this entire move is laughable to me. It's a recruiting game, and Dion's brand will help you recruit. If, if you're like a, um, you know, a second-tier wide receiver, right? Yeah. Like you know, who's like overlooked to go from Tennessee or whatever mm. to go to him, where you know there's going to be media spotlight. I mean, I, I can buy that. Yep. I'm not saying he's a great uh, leader of, of of boys, but he's a good hype train. I mean, and that's all he is. Right. So he's, people who care about valuable. their kids probably won't send them to play for him either. No one gives a shit about their kids. Well, some people do. Yeah. Okay. Some people don't drive their kids through a snowstorm to do a podcast, but some people do. Does Zach think that uh, they'll get a bull berth? We'll have to put it back to him. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll yeah. ask him. Um, but, okay, so they, they move – heavily in the transfer portal they have already and then with the commits that they have i believe they have the second best running back in yep two of the top 15 receivers and the 43rd best recruiting class in the nation let's not forget that up from what 
like well, 158th. Sure, sure, but it's not top five. It's not top ten. It's no, not no, top no. twenty-five. Not at all. Like let's let's reel it in here. And I think the the area that they lack in right now is where it matters late in the year in any football offensive and defensive line. Dion recruits really well. Safeties, corners, wide but receivers, running backs. But he has a first year had, a first year coach at D line, man. So they should be good there, right? No, but. That's going to be what the difference maker is. It's going to be really interesting to see him because you are going to get to watch him play against what Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams this year before they head over to the Big Ten uh, and some things like that. So he's got he's going to have to adjust. It's, a, it's not just position one on position player or skilled position player one on one jump ball football anymore. He's going to have to learn to recruit some size. They got one notable uh, tackle out of the transfer portal from JUCO. Uh, I believe his name is Jada. Um, had been with South Carolina and rescinded his offer. But outside of that, did Colorado have any successful offensive and defensive line? I went players? to the Gopher Colorado game last year. Actually, I was in attendance for it. Okay, Colorado was one of the worst teams I've ever seen. <sighs> wow. And to be honest, it wasn't the athletes that they had. The coaching staff itself was terrible. Um, is this coaching staff better than that coaching staff? God, I hope so. Okay. Um. Just the execution of how they would run screens would be like yeah. reminding me of like when I coached a seventh grade team. Like seriously, the angles were bad. Like they just didn't teach the intricacies of the game. It was obvious. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, literally, just by bringing in a whole new coaching staff, you can probably win four games with the roster you had last year. I'll give them an extra game for the talent that they are bringing in. But again, Shadur Sanders like had close games, lost a bowl game yeah. last year at yep. Jackson State. Yep. Okay, you can't tell me that North Carolina Central is better than USC. <laughs> can't do it. So you don't I, think I don't he's know. a top tier um, athlete, though? Shadur Sanders? Yeah. I mean, he's a Division One athlete. I'll give him that. Yep. Is he a top fifteen quarterback in college? No. God, D one. No. no. Okay. Nope. I think he has a top fifteen name. Yes. He's top. And that's five the name. world that we live in. Unfortunately. Now. Can he do, continue? Because what year is he in now? He's He can declare in 2024. So I think he's technically going to, into his sophomore eligibility season for 2023. So he's got two years. Can he continue to build with new resources? Will he get drafted into the NFL? Yeah, because he's Deion's son. Let's yeah. not forget about that. As like a fifth Will or sixth Will he be round. a great NFL quarterback? No. Should it's he win the Heisman? Long Probably shot. not. He'll get drafted. They'll move him to corner and special teams. They'll try to, and then there'll be a media hype train because Dion will be like, "No, my son's a quarterback." Yep. Because I coached him in college and like, and in high school. Whatever. Whatever. Mike is obviously very over this entire. I'm just over people like literally being famous because they declare that they're famous. Dion did a lot of work to be famous. Yeah, he did, but there's also a lot of Hall of Fame players that could be doing the exact same thing that he's doing, and they're not. But they don't. Why? Because they're not as smart as Dion. I'm sorry, you're not going to convince me of that. I'm pretty sure Dion's making out pretty well. That's fine. Good for him uh, in this. And who are we to shame the guy for his love of the game? His love of the game. He his just love of the. Uh, you're seriously. Yeah. Wow. You have Dion so wrapped up in your head, Nick, that you think he's doing things like this for the love of the game of football. Yeah, you can't. That you, is laughable. You can't if he loved stick the game around football, the game as long. He would be coaching high school football or doing something like that. 
Mike, just because you're doing, just because some people do it as a passion project and other people want to make a, a, a business out of it doesn't mean that their value or passion for said activity or game is any different. Oh, it does. It, it does, does not. Your intention of what you do clearly shows what you're trying to get done. Okay. The intention of what Dion is doing is he's trying to get the limelight back on Dion again because yeah. it's not the 90s and he's no longer prime. Now he's coach prime. Where were you when like, I said this three weeks ago? Where was I? Yes. At home with this kid. You weren't agreeing with me. No, he was here that week or uh, four weeks ago. Trust me. I've thought this pretty much since he switched to Colorado. I, I actually loved the move at Jackson State. If he would have stayed at Jackson State, Nick, admirable. He's doing it for the love of the game. He's he promised that State athletic director two years. Okay. And he gave him three. Good. Cool. And also they did like they were fucking with the gate. Which affects his money in the long... Like, there was a lot of stuff that I read behind closed doors that made me kind of have to turn back on some of my takes, too. The Club Shay Shay interview was very interesting between between him and... Between Shannon Sharp and Deion Sanders. I learned a lot out of that. Okay. Have you watched it? No. Maybe you should. I, I'm good on it. I don't really want to spend any of more of my time on Deion Sanders. I have never seen you my take time. such a firm stance against the guy who, like... Had a massive impact on football. He did. He was a great football player. And baseball player. Sure. Primetime. Primetime. So was Bo Jackson. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Bo he did it for better. how many years? No, 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 no. Bo was way better. Let's not even go there. Bo Bo Jackson was not a better football player or better baseball um, player than Deion Sanders. Deion I'm done. says that Bo is better. That's not even like. That's that's Wrap the show. Wrap the show. Wrap the show. You're going to continue to say ass nine takes like that? I'm yeah, done with you. That was very, that was really hard to listen to. Now. Hey, longevity counts for something. Bo did it for how long before <laughs> yeah, he could do it? Been making ripped out been making ass nine takes for quite a while. Good job. Anyways, that's all I have for you guys this week. Obviously, as Mike uh, not only doesn't start show up, but likes to show up or leave early uh, from time to time. Uh, glad to have you all with us once again as we cover sports news. Uh, if you would like to follow this show outside of our live viewings on Thursdays, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, YouTube, and Twitch. You can also find us Saturdays after 10 p.m. on MCN6 here in the Twin Cities and on your Roku app uh, through the uh, channel, MCN Channel 6 app. Uh, we will be back with you guys for our first show of 2023 next week um, as we figure out what uh, the Vikings playoff future looks like. Uh, we'll have a little bit new, more news for you on the wild and wolves. As always, maybe the twins will make something happen to include potentially selling the team. Keep your fingers crossed uh, until next time. Stay warm, stay safe, have fun.